listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. since COVID, what we know to be the norm is rapidly changing. In order to adapt to this, your business must adjust and transform accordingly. For pharmacies, unlocking the profession's potential to improve patient care is where this opportunity lies. Today's product-focused role of the pharmacist calls for the industry to move toward clinical services. The focus will be on prevention over treatment, and care will happen in the home or community. As accessible and trusted healthcare personnel, pharmacists can play a big role. Happier at Home harnesses this opportunity by showing the benefits of expanding your pharmacy into home care services and how this is a recipe for success. Innovation and growth will help community pharmacies to continue to exist and thrive in the future. Hey, podcast listeners, you're listening to Happier at Home, P-R-N. This is a podcast that was created from passion of people who know that community pharmacy is evolving the services that are demanded by our public are evolving. There's more demand now on healthcare providers more than ever. And our community pharmacies are no different. And when I ran into Debbie um, at a at a conference talking about home care services, and I saw standing behind her booth said, happier at home. And I'm like, holy cow, I want <laughs> to know what is going on. Debbie, this yeah. is our third episode now. It is. And they're doing so well. I've been looking at the analytics and people are listening. They know this is a really important issue. It really is. Uh, there's yep. so much that we can do by embracing people in our community that cannot um, get out of their house easily. Uh, they need transportation to hospitals. They need somebody to come in to help clean or just follow up, just check on them. They might need someone to make sure they're taking their medications. We have two incredible guests and we have actually um, pharmacy podcast listeners um, and the network overall. We have a celebrity with us today. Um, Dr. Steve. Amen. Moore. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Steve Moore is one of the 50 most influential pharmacy, pharmacy professionals in our nation voted by his peers for 2022. Uh, Dr. Excellent. Moore, thank you so much for coming to the show today. Yeah, hey, thrilled to be here, Todd. Uh, excited to talk with with Deb, and uh, always always happy to work with Bree. So uh, thanks for the time. Absolutely, and Bree, I've known Bree for years. I remember when the NCPA launched their long term care division that really started to drill down in expertise around the subject of long term care. Bree Morris is the National Community Pharmacy Association Senior Director. She's the Program Development Director. Bree, thank you so much for coming to the show today. Hey, thanks, Todd. Thanks for the invitation. Excited to be here. Great to have you, Bree. Thanks, Debbie. Before we get started, um, Debbie, I wanted to mention something to you. There was an article that came out mid-January, and the title of the um, article by Axios said, the push for more in-home care options may come with some risks. And just to cliff note this article for our listeners, I will have a link in the show notes to this article. Basically, what it said is the pandemic had fueled a boom for more home care services that were needed. And what they were saying is, so who's going to be the gatekeeper to assure that these home care services come with quality service metrics, quality um, delivery of the actual services, and most important, 
The reason why our pharmacists are the most trusted healthcare professionals is safety. So um, with that, I want to kick things off to uh, Debbie, just to tell us about your philosophy as a business owner. You said, hey, I recognize what community pharmacy is doing for their communities. I'm going all in. So your entire business development front end was tied into community pharmacy. You have to tell our, our listeners uh, why that is. And thank you so much, Todd. Uh, when I saw how our first franchisee, that is a pharmacy owner, um, was doing so well with the entire business model of expanding into home and community-based services, uh, I really looked at it from the happier at home aspect, knowing that he hit the ground running and was earning his private pay source of revenue so easily. But I kind of delve deeper into that and wanted to understand why that was. Well, uh, this person in particular uh, is a long-term care pharmacy, and he has those connections with uh, the transitional care units. Uh, and even in with the uh, assisted livings, and those in the community that he was capturing, the um, the long-term care uh, medication uh, compliance, adherence, distribution with. And so I thought, wow, not only is he helping his business, but he's also able to continue to expand and use that as a strategy of growth. So expand and provide those home care services. So what we've done with Happier at Home, our strategic initiative is to connect with our community pharmacy owners to help them with this business model. We have those processes, procedures in place, everything that's needed training and support where they can be the hub for that most important medical at home, because that's really looking in the horizon what the priority is going to be. Uh, with COVID, uh, we all saw what was happening with our loved ones that were in the long-term care facilities. And so many people are wanting to make sure that they could age in place for as long as possible. So with our partnerships and with the uh, community pharmacies becoming happier at home franchisees, we're able to provide a host of services that are really serving your community. You're becoming that hub, that one-stop shop for your community, and you're increasing the quality of life and quality of care for those folks. Dr. Bree Morris, I'm excited you're here because like I said at the beginning of the program, I remember when the NCPA started investing greatly in data collection for senior uh, seniors that were being cared for by community pharmacies. There's nothing new here. This has been going on since the invention of what, well, I guess we called it community pharmacy at some point, probably at the beginning yeah. of the NCPA. So there's probably another podcast history lesson there. But you have a really interesting role with the organization for years, for almost five years now as senior director, um, really concentrating on this, the expansion of long-term care services out of community pharmacy. And you started out doing it, meeting them where they were. So you're not asking them to invest millions of dollars to expand special packaging or all the things that now we've kind of like grown into but you've mm -hmm. mapped this since the beginning so that you can help those community pharmacies that are ready to go, 
they're all jumping in. Like we're going to talk to uh, Steve here in just a second, or ones that are just starting into it saying, Hey, listen, I do some assisted living, but I really want to build this as a new division of my community pharmacy. Can you kind of like talk to us about that 132 million people aged 50 or older? I can't believe I'm saying that. I just hit 50 last year. So I guess I'm one of them. Um, just over. It the- comes quickly, right? Like <laughs> the years really just. So yeah. we have I'm that so much better years. now than when I was in my 20s. I got to say. <laughs> it, 50 it is great. Happens. It just creeps up on you. It does. Um, so. Now we have all of this attention necessary. I'm never moving out of my house. I refuse. I'll kick and scream. I'll probably be maybe, I don't know. I won't know who is who. And maybe I have to go to a place. Hopefully pray to the Lord that I don't. But if I can stay in my home for the rest of my life or better yet on the road, meeting with pharmacists until I uh, keel over, um, (laughs) that's my choice is to stay at home. So talk to our listeners about kind of the, the staging of how this all started and and then, and then advance us to where we are today. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do my best at answering that question. That's kind of a a big ask there. Um, but you know, independent pharmacy, community pharmacies, they're embedded in their communities, and I really truly believe that healthcare is delivered locally. So a lot of pharmacy owners, like uh, celebrity Steve Moore, who's with us, are there to take care of the patients in their communities. Um, I'm I'm from a small town in in southern. Arkansas. Um, We've got two pharmacies in town and they took out the stoplight because it's so small. Okay. But those pharmacies are the ones that are serving the nursing home. They're serving the hospital. They're serving um, patients within about a 45 mile radius um, for those. So community pharmacies have always been serving this niche, but what we have made a strategic effort to do over the last several years is to help support those pharmacies that are serving um, the long-term care facilities in whatever stage, whether that's a nursing home, assisted living facility, group home, um, and support that growth. So about half of community pharmacies are currently in the long-term care space. And um, at NCPA, I get the uh, distinct honor of helping support those pharmacies grow and help them grow their business um, and and get into new markets. Uh, So it's been really great to get to know Debbie a little bit and happier at home and in the home care services that she offers. Um, One thing that stuck out to me, Debbie, when you were talking, a lot of times when I talk about my role at NCPA, you know, you go find someone who is doing something innovative and understand that business model. And then we put it on a platform for other independent pharmacies to learn from and to be able to, to understand how they might replicate it in their community but they really need that blueprint to get started. And I love how you talked through what you do and how um, how that you give the tools and the resources for someone to kind of expand into this niche. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, and that's what it is, the processes and those procedures that we help them with. So um, is this something that you help uh, the 
if if a pharmacy is not familiar with um, the long-term care arena, is this something that you help them or how is it that uh, you could help them get started with something like this? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a, a ton of business resources for someone that's kind of kicking, kicking this around, getting it off the ground. Um, you know, I think I've spent three hours this past week on the phone with members, helping them understand kind of the industry, what it looks like um, and what opportunities might, might exist for them. Um, so we have a lot of kind of beginner resources to get started. Um, our long-term care committee has answered our frequently asked questions in a video testimonial format. And we have um, sample agreements whenever you're getting started, hiring a consultant pharmacist or um, signing up with an assisted living facility or something like that. I think the most impactful program that we might have for someone who's getting started is our business of long-term care workshop. Um, we offer it a couple times a year. The next one's coming up in April, April 19th and 20th at our headquarters in Alexandria. Um, and we really the kind of tagline for that workshop is to grow from a few to a few thousand beds. And I think it, it really does a great job of that. If you're just getting started, you're going to understand the basics and understand what's, you know, a federal guideline or federal regulation rather, and what's impacted by your state, because there's a lot of long-term care that is that is managed at a state level. Um, and you're gonna really understand the process. We go into medical at home um, and all of those pieces. But if you're a larger operator and maybe you have a closed door business, then you can really learn how to be more efficient and how to do sales and marketing very, very well. Um, so I think it's a it's a really good fit. And I'm hoping, uh, Steve, you'll join us this April. Yeah, yeah, yeah. looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. So. Um, I, I'm just going to piggyback onto what Bree said, though. And one thing I will add is, I don't know that a lot of us are just getting started in long-term care. I, I think we're already in it, and it's more the realization that you know we need to have that 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 light bulb has to go off. You know, you have to realize that we're already serving, you know, these patients, and, and with the expansion of medical at home, we're going to be serving even more of them. And um, I'm fortunate enough to be involved with NCPA and on, on their leadership team. And, you know, one of the things they do with us is they, they move us forward as they kind of shuffle us around. And, you know, this year, I'm very lucky. I chair the long-term care committee and I get to work with Bree. And I was excited because this is like a, this, I think this is an inflection point, you know, for, for this model in pharmacy, you know, with, with everything that's going on, you know, it's the community pharmacies who are, you know, the, we exist in our communities. We've been there. We have roots. You know, we're not going to pull up and leave, you know, at a time when our communities need us the most. And I, I think we demonstrated, we proved that during COVID. I think there are some unique financial pressures being placed on community pharmacies over the next couple of years. They're going to force us to diversify. And I think that those of us that are around are, are going to come out even stronger. Um, but um, depending upon when this airs, I, I don't know, I won't mention a name right now, but we have a, a chain pharmacy that's pulling out of one of the smaller towns right around me. So mm. there's a community pharmacy that's located right down the street, fortunately, an independently owned community pharmacy that's probably about half a mile, maybe three quarters of a mile away. And, uh, you know, that gentleman is, is prepping to be even stronger and, and busier now, whereas, you know, this big chain decided they couldn't 
take care of that community anymore, that, that, that the reimbursement pressures were too much. This guy's doubling down, you know, and he's going to be there to take care of his community, to pick up the slack left by this other organization. And it's going to be not only prescription services, but services like this and the ones that we can work with people like Deb to, to bring care outside of the four walls and of our pharmacies and, and into the homes of our patients that are going to allow us to survive and, and not only survive, but to thrive going forward. So um, once again, kind of my long winded way of saying that we're already in this business model, you know, we just have to recognize it. And I'd encourage everybody really that the great work that's done by NCPA with the long-term care division and, you know, the committees, they, they help out breathe. They've done a lot of videos in the past, a lot that we can learn from the division that that's already there. I mean, Bree's talking about doing some great things, but there's a lot of great work that's already been done and, and people can learn, you know, our members can learn just by registering to, to be a part of that long-term care division yeah, I think it's so important to recognize that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, you have this board and group of professionals that um, hear about everyone's heartaches all, uh, all of the time, hear about the problems and challenges that the community pharmacy owners are having. So to be able to use uh, this incredible resource is a, is a really smart thing to do. And um, speaking of the pharmacy in your community, I love hearing that this uh, gentleman's going to double down and stay because our mm -hmm. communities need you. Uh, but you always have to be moving. We've talked about this before. You have to be growing or you're falling behind and you're going to fail. So looking at expanding into your uh, medical home services, um, trying to think about recognizing those home care patients that you can turn into long-term care patients. Steve, is there a way uh, that you would recommend for any of the community pharmacy owners out there? If they are, uh, say they already are um, serving their patients as their home-based patients, yeah. as long-term care patients, um, is there a way that they could identify uh, more of them? Or how do you tease out how to um, approach or know how to bill those um, those new those other patients that are homebound as long-term care patients? Yeah, and that's a great question. And I do too just want to real quick, you know, it, talking to you the, the last couple of months, you know, have learned and excited to be working with, with you and your group at, at kind of pharmacy going forward. I know my brother and I are, are pretty psyched about that opportunity. And, um, you know, just the resources that, that you have provided and, and listening to yourself on past podcasts, talk to some of my colleagues, the advocacy that you provide, you know, it kind of parallels what we do in pharmacy and, you know, to, to, to work with somebody of your caliber, you know, is an exciting opportunity that that's Thank for sure. You. I appreciate you know, that. And, and I, I think that, you know, we're already in this market. Speaking to the gentleman who handles, um, we contract with a gentleman who managed most of our, our media promotion at Condo Pharmacy, you know, and all that other stuff. Talk to him about this opportunity. And, you know, his first thing is, you know, God, you know, you've got, you know, such a great name in town. Your patients trust you. You start talking about this. And I think that this is going to, you know, really take off for you. So mm -hmm. I think it's, something that we're probably uncomfortable doing as pharmacists you know, we got to talk to talk about ourselves you know what I mean? we got to tell people what we're doing we got to get out there and I, and I think I think that word will spread very naturally and organic, organically in a lot of ways mm -hmm. but I, I think social media I think advertising I, I think anything we can do to promote this service will help to to generate 
interest. And, you know, with interest, people, you know, they, they recognize the name of the pharmacy in their community. They know that that's a group that's there. They're not fly-by-night company. They know they're going to be there. They trust us. They trust the people that we employ. They trust the people that we're going to be sending into their homes of their friends, of their family, of their loved ones. And I, I think that's so important. And I, I think it's just such a great opportunity, not only for pharmacy, but for our communities to have this resource where it may not otherwise exist. I agree. So I have a question. I wanted to to ask Steve specifically, at what point you're you're chugging along as a community pharmacy? Um, at what point do you say, whoa, whoa, wait a second, we're spending a ton of time. Um, and as a business owner, there's a balance here. There's one side of a community pharmacy that does a tremendous amount of things for their community. That sometimes they haven't been paid for, they haven't been compensated for. Back in the day, maybe that could be covered. You could call that a marketing fee. You could call that, you know, advertising or overhead or something. But the deterioration of the primary way that the community independently owned community pharmacies were were generating revenue based on the prescription um, dispensing fee has completely deteriorated. So therefore, a community pharmacy cannot hide and or um, build up the services that they're providing in their community for free anymore, or you're going to go out of business. So when I think of at what point in time, Steve, did you say, okay, hold on, we can't be doing this anymore and getting negative reimbursements for certain prescriptions because you know that happens. And now it's time to implement and mature some of the services that we're providing to our community in the form of home care. So take take our listeners and our and our fellow pharmacy owners um, through that decision. Yeah, I, I think we're long past the point where prescription volume is is the measure of success. You know, and, and, you know, just just looking at prescription count isn't going to do anybody much good. And, um, you know, we're very fortunate in our area. You know, patients come to our pharmacy. They're driving by many others to get there. Um, you know, we're, we're not, you know, we're very cognizant of that. And, you know, we think that's because of the level of services we provide. And we love to continue to provide those types of services and they go above and beyond. But, you know, you, you have to be paid to do that. We have to be able to pay our utility bill. We have to be able to pay our employees and we have some incredible employees. We're looking forward to, to, to working with some more incredible employees in, in this new venture. Um, but we've got to be able to, to, to turn the lights on and pay them to, to make sure that we can take care of the people we need to take care of. And, you know, I think that this was an easy decision to move into, you know, you see the prescription revenue dropping year after year and not that this is by any means low hanging fruit, but maybe more complementary, I think is, is, is probably a better word, a complementary line of business where, you know, if we're already taking care of these patients and the population that, that needs these services, you know, rather than trying to expand into a market where people don't know us or, you know, we're unfamiliar with, with our, our target demographic, this makes a lot of sense as a, an area for us to, to invest in. Um, you know, at the pharmacy, we're also investing in one of the, uh, the strip packaging machines. So we're very excited to, to be installing that in 2023. Um, that's something we've wanted to do for a long time. It's just never kind of lined up with the, the, the needs of the technology or well, the needs of the pharmacy and the capability of the technology until, until very recently, we feel. So we were excited to, to sign that contract at the end of the year to, to be bringing that machine in, um, hopefully early in the spring. But, um, you know, like I said, it's very complementary to what we already do. And I, I think it allows us, if you look at from a population health perspective, how can we put healthcare workers into homes? 
you know, you look at a community pharmacy model, maybe instead of delivery drivers, I'm hiring community health workers. You know, my pharmacy technicians are certified as community health workers. So, you know, what can I do to put quality trained people into homes to make sure that, you know, their medical teams have the information they need to deliver and provide the best care? This is a great way to do that. And I might add that not only you're helping the community in so many different ways. So not only are you assisting the um, patients themselves, but you also are becoming a really trusted source for your healthcare partners. So let's say those social workers that are working in the transitional care unit that need to make sure their patients are going to have a safe discharge home. There's not one thing that you could do for them. There are five things at least that you could do to help them to have that safe discharge home so that they're not going to end up back in the hospital or in the emergency department. You're a partner with the doctor's offices who can write orders, but they don't know once they leave their office if those orders are going to be followed. So having those advocates and those workers that will make sure their medical regimen is followed and increasing just by way of increasing their medication compliance, you're saving the community so much money, you're helping increase that quality of life for your your patient as well. So there's just so many ways that uh, with our business model, working along with our community pharmacy pharmacy owners, there's so much that you can do to be that major cog uh, for healthcare in your community. And I love it. I love hearing all the stories and um, we get letters and um, I have emails coming in all the time of how our pharmacy owners that uh, are are just helping um, change people's lives. So it's pretty incredible. Um, And I think that there's just so much knowledge that our pharmacy owners have. Uh, It's sometimes uncomfortable to step outside of uh, their comfort zone with expanding into different lines of service, but it is so important to be able to do that. And so I'm wondering, um, Bree, as far as your educational opportunities uh, in the long-term care division, are there, uh, do you have a portal or how, how does that work with the NCPA as well? Yeah, absolutely. So as part of NCPA, we do uh, monthly webinars, the NCPA learning hour that we do monthly, and we'll do some on long-term care. Um, We have a website that's focused on long-term care for folks that are in the long-term care division, as well as a newsletter and all all those sorts of fun things that if anything comes up, we we, uh, bring it up there. Um, So the business of long-term care workshop that I mentioned, we do it in April, and then we'll do it again in October ahead of the NCPA convention. And during the convention, we actually have a senior care summit, which is focused on folks that are in the LTC space or interested in getting in the LTC space. So um, it's a really great opportunity to come and learn about innovative uh, programs and also to connect with your fellow your fellow pharmacy owners. Great. So the key, set your strategy and stick to it. We're at the beginning of the year. There's so much for you to capture here. 
So that's excellent. And I just want to mention, I'm going to be at the NCPA multiple locations conference that's coming up at the end of February. And I would love to be able to connect uh, with uh, some of those multiple location uh, pharmacy owners too, while I'm there. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, a few minutes ago, you you mentioned as you were answering Todd's question about um, kind of the struggles as a pharmacy owner and when you're implementing a new service, what that looks like. I just kind of wanted to chat for a little bit and talk with you about medical at home and kind of where we are with the actual, you know, kind of core service of, of filling those prescriptions and expanding, you know, medical at home at its core, when NCPA talks about it at least, it's also called long-term care at home. It's about expanding long-term care services to patients that are homebound and may not be able to get into a, or may not be in a facility. Um, so I know we've spent a lot of time and work over the years focusing on, you know, payment for those services, um, and recognition by CMS of those services to support that effort. So I'm curious, are you doing medical at home now with your patients and, and have you been working with your long-term care GPO for that? Uh, working towards it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so we're not... You know, we're not doing a ton of long-term care at this point. When you talk about SNFs or the high-complexity care, we we haven't in a few years been involved in that. Would love to get in, you know, back into that that line of business. Um, we do work with a number of assisted living facilities, so you know, we're working with the homes that are already in the communities, and you know, there's you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten patients in a house as opposed to, you know, a nursing home of, you know, hundreds, potentially, potentially hundreds of people. So, you know, we're really excited to hear about medical at home. You know, I will put a plug in for CPSN here as well, you know, both through the work that NCPA is doing and that CPSN is doing, um, because that's going to be a great way for us to make sure that the patients that we're already working with are, are going to be able to stay in their homes, you know, and, and we're going to be able to to help them to, to do that. And, you know, by working towards that, you know, I mean, kind of getting our ducks in the row, you know, are we set up with the correct NCPDP affiliations, you know, mm -hmm. at a pharmacy level, there, there's a lot to that kind of goes into this that, you know, you may have a pharmacy that's already providing some of these services, but because they're not set up correctly on the back end, they, they may not be getting paid for some of the things they're eligible for right now. So, so we're kind of exploring those app opportunities, you know, a couple of years back, we, we looked, okay, is there an opportunity to minimize DIR fees? You know, and we were able to do that through, you know, some stuff with long-term care and, and combo shop. So I'd encourage everybody to be involved for, for no reason other than that. You know, that could be significant dollars, even if it's only a handful of patients. You know, you're yeah. going to more than cover, you know, a couple brand name prescriptions, you know, you save on DIRs, you're going to more than cover any any money that you're spending on, on you know, a long-term care division membership or attending one of these conferences. Um, back in 2005, um, I had just graduated pharmacy school in 2004, my father passed away. So it was NCPA that at that time, they were facts, 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 all the facts blasts about all the different workshops and everything. And you know, you get the one for the owner's workshop. Okay, I got to go to that. You get the one for the long-term care workshop and okay, I've got to go. And, you know, you go to that thing and you learn about this is just after Medicare D had started. So, you know, it was NCPA in that workshop that told us, 
you know, you got to check your NCPDP stuff and you're going to be able to bill for higher packaging codes if that's the case. And so for, you know, how many years now with all of our, our assisted living facilities, we've been able to, to bill appropriately for any special packaging we do and to, to, you know, to make the money that allows us to continue to provide that service. So that's just a plug for these workshops, for the education, for the networking. Um, looking forward to the updates because, like I said, it was probably 2005, 2006, the last time I went to the, the long-term care workshop that NCP hosted. But um, it's a great opportunity to, to learn and you know, you're going to learn about things you can do to, to, you know, make more money, to be more efficient, but building up the, the network of colleagues, you know, the people that you can talk to, you know, it's the advantage to working with Deb at the Happier Home Franchise. You know, I've got an expert that I can talk to about any issue that I may be having, and I don't have to reinvent the wheel necessarily. You know, I can, you know, I'm going to be probably sticking my head in the sand trying to figure something out you know you talk to somebody like them and she's like oh no this is how you fix that and it's done so you accelerate your growth you accelerate your opportunity and uh, you reach your potential a whole lot quicker Excellent. yeah that's that's really great so you know medical at home right now i would say it's an emerging opportunity it's an advocacy priority it's been the number one priority for the ncpa long-term care division um quite frankly, since since I've been leading it, um, this has been a huge opportunity for pharmacies. And right now, you know, we have an industry-wide coalition with ASCP, Senior Care Pharmacy Coalition, NCPA, other folks that's really working towards this. You know, we're, we're at the point now where we have um, kind of established what it looks like policy-wise, and we're getting our, our plans together for robust advocacy plans. Um, but the the okay. the payment is right now not matching the level of service for true medical at home in most cases. Now, you want to work with your long-term care GPO. You may have opportunities depending on what payment plan, pay, payers are in your area, that sort of thing. What I think is really unique about this is this is something we really have to watch. It's going to explode. It's going to be a big opportunity. And what's really cool about Debbie, what you're doing is while this is going on, while we're working on this advocacy path to make this work, a private pay caregiving business that supports this model is perfect for pharmacies to kind of get into this. And, and it's a nice cohesive experience. So we're ready to go whenever we get that full payment. So I think it works so well right. together. Yeah, you're creating your inroads and creating, yeah. you have your uh, retail customers that are coming to your location, but with your Happier at Home business, then you're creating additional business through Happier Home, their patients that you're caring for, keeping them at home and independent, which then can become customers of your pharmacy. So we do work that's our business model, working hand in hand with the pharmacy owners and um, making sure that uh, you're able to pro provide these services hitting the ground running, uh, because you're right, it's this is what um, the future of pharmacy holds. And you have so much power that's right there in front of you. You just need to it, power in the way of making, not in a bad way, but power to make sure that 
you can change someone's life uh, for the better and making sure that we're keeping people in their homes, aging in place in place as long as possible. Um, but let me ask you one thing. If, uh, if, while you're not possibly able to offer some services, is there an opportunity uh, for you to be able to subcontract those services for your long-term uh, long care patients? Sure, absolutely. So are you, are you talking about what sorts of services are you talking about, Debbie? Just any of them? Uh, yeah, just, I don't know. Maybe you don't provide IV infusions and that's something that they need in their home. Is it something that you'd be able to work into your process uh, to be able to provide that through a subcontractor or working closely with, uh, I don't know, who would you work closely with for something like that? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, um, you know, CMS defines long-term care pharmacy by a list of services that you must provide and IV medications is one of them. That's actually a pretty common one. Um, when I've talked to pharmacy owners that gets them hung up because they say, oh my gosh, I don't do IV infusions. Mm -hmm. um, but there's, you just have to have the ability to do them um, if that comes up. So you need to subcontract with someone to do that. Um, Steve, I'm sure yep. from your experience, kind of how have you handled that? Yeah, you know, and I'll plug advocacy and networking one more time here because I have colleagues throughout New York State who do do that. You know, we may not be able to do home infusion services, but I have a number of colleagues that do that I've, I've met and I've worked with, you know, whether it's at PISNI or NCPA um, that can do that. So it's just a matter of <clears throat> setting up an arrangement where I would refer those those particular prescriptions and orders uh, to those colleagues instead of trying to trying to do them on my own. And there are companies that, that do that. Um, another common one that gets folks tripped up is having a pharmacist available 24-7. There are companies that will offer that type of service if that's something that you need. Um, so usually there's a, a way to, to meet that criteria. Excellent. And that's just one more reason, if I can, just to, to network and participate with groups like NCPA. You know, you come to events like the MLC or the convention, you know, and, and you hear from your colleagues how they're solving these these issues and these problems. Um, you know, we don't, like I said earlier, we don't have to reinvent the wheel in any way, shape or form. Well, Debbie, I'm excited to continuously have uh, people come on your show to give testimony as to how they're layering in new services that really open the door to other things. This is just the beginning. We could be talking about uh, additional in-home care testing. We could talk about pharmacogenomics. We could talk about diet plans, um, uh, activity plans. We could talk about a nutritionist becoming part of your team. Think of this pharmacy owners. If you attach a pharmacy to a, um, a home care franchise, it really opens the door for you to do whatever you see needed in your community. And with 21,000 um, community pharmacies throughout the country, there's going to be a little bit of different market needs in different parts of the country, depending on what's happening there, depending on how public transportation is, depending on what access to uh, testing that they may have. But when you look at the market overall, and this question is going to be for Bree, what other things do you see being plugged into home care services, um, medical at home, 
And then, of course, what Debbie's brought to the table, which is the ancillary services that really complement everything that community pharmacies are doing. Absolutely. I mean, Todd, I, I think you kind of answered it. The it could be anything. There's so many things that that can um, be part of this model. I know pharmacies that are already doing immunizations in the home, and I think we got lots of practice with that during during COVID, trying to take care of our communities. Um, I'm a very big proponent of point of care testing. I think that's a huge opportunity for pharmacies, and could see that being a part of um, home care as as we expand. Um, you know, there there might be other opportunities. Um, uh, telemedicine is a huge opportunity for um, home care to see what that looks like. I know that CPSN has been doing a lot of work on um, uh, frailty and keeping patients mobile in the home. Um, and trying to keep them healthy where we can. So I think that um, we're just going to see lots of opportunities expand as we as we um, expand into this market and continue to care for. Let's not forget these are the patients we have been caring for, right? We're just expanding our care for these patients that are at their homes and expanding the services that we can offer to our community. And finally getting paid for it. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And getting adequate payment, yes, for the services and, we provide. You know, that's one of the points too, actually, with uh, part of one, of one of the lines of service within the Happier at Home business model is care advocacy. So we have patients that we are simply care advocates for, but being a care advocate then, we're bringing them those necessary connections to the pharmacy and to all of the other services that help them to achieve and maintain all of their goals. And usually that's to stay home. Well, this has been an amazing conversation with some rock stars in our industry. Um, Steve, thank you so much for sharing with us as a pharmacy owner and someone that is expanding your services to your community through home care services. Um, Bree Morris, you have been um, a rock star in the sector of, of pharmacy and community pharmacy for years. And we thank you so much for the research that comes through the NCPA to really light the fires um, for us to all grab a torch, stick it in the main fire and carry it you know, throughout the country and saying, listen, community pharmacy is not dying. We are thriving, but it's the high performers that are gonna carry us forward. And we need, organizations like NCPA to help us march and help us gather the troops. And Debbie, I can't get enough of you and talking with you about how you're empowering community pharmacies to do more with the infrastructure that they've spent years and years investing in their communities and how home happier at home is now an extension of that community pharmacy. So thank you all very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank and I'm you. so blessed to know thank all you. of you and blessed to be able to be in a position to help these community pharmacies to expand. And I just want to let you know that we just finished one of our uh, trainings here in Rochester, New York. We had four or five different pharmacy owners coming in, starting their Happier at Home franchise from Connecticut, North Carolina, 
Texas, Alabama, and our first in California. So I, the, the energy and the ideas that went around uh, was just incredible. So I just, I'm, I, I'm so happy to be a part of this community. Thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. And tune in next time at another Happier at Home PRN here on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Thank you.